Well, welcome again. Thanks so much for joining us today. I got my family helping me today with the message. This is awesome. This is my daughter, Ava. If you don't know Ava, this is Jake. Rudy, huge part of the message today. We can't do it without you, Rudy. Thank you for being here. And of course, my beautiful wife, Jody. And uh, Jody would tell you she's more behind the scenes. And she normally is. So she's probably not going to stick around for all the recording. But, uh, but she's essential. I, I found that out. I already knew that. But the kids reminded me on her birthday how essential she is to our family. I kid you not. The kids made her birthday cards. Um, I didn't read the birthday cards ahead of time. They gave them to her on her birthday in August. And we opened one of the cards and I read it. What Ava wrote, Ava... And it said, Mom, thank you so much for, for who you are. And I quote, without you in this family, we would all die. That's what she wrote. You got a lot of faith in your dad, don't you, Ava? <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jody, for helping us not die. Okay, We would be Absolutely. screwed without you. So anyway, we are just uh, um, really excited to bring you the word of God. Uh, Jody's going to come back during communion. We're going to have communion together, and we'll see you then. So, uh, But we, uh, we're excited. We're in a series called Faith, Hope, and Love. And I kind of love doing it like this. Like, just getting real with you. This is where we're at anyway, right? You're in your room. You're in your house. Uh, uh, you know, so this is good. And uh, this is something different, and different is okay. So a series last week we looked at faith. It's such a big deal to what we're going through. But th- today we're looking at hope. And we titled this t- today's message, Searching for Hope, because I believe there are a lot of people searching for that right now. Maybe you can relate to that. Like, and by the way, type that in comments, searching for hope, searching for hope, searching for hope. Put that in comments. Let us know you're watching. We love hearing from you. Um, But so many people are searching for hope. Ava, when you were, gosh, two years old, we were searching for hope big time because we were up in northern South Dakota. That's where your great grandma lives. And we went up there and Ava was just two. And uh, what? Yeah, okay. Yeah, she was two. And uh, Rudy is just going to chime in from time to time. But she's two years old. And we go up there. And um, something you need to know, at this time of year that we went up there, it was it was like mosquito season. But it, I mean, but they weren't just mosquitoes. They were like pterodactyls. They were huge. I mean, mutant. And uh, so Ava was playing out with friends. And she comes running in. And we saw that her ankle was literally swelling up in front of our eyes. It was that bad. And I saw like two little, like, almost little dots or bite marks. And we didn't know what bit her because there's snakes up in this country too. So we didn't know she got bit by a, a some mutant mosquito or a snake or what. We had no idea. So we pick Ava up and we, you probably don't remember this, do you? It was, well, I can say whatever I want. You, you can't dispute it. But uh, we set Ava on the counter and we said, Ava, did you get bit? Because it was bad. Her, it's just, and we said, Ava, did you get bit by a mosquito? And she's like, and then we said, Ava, did you get bit by a snake? And Ava's like, we're like, all right, we're not getting anywhere here. I mean, you could ask her if she got bit by a T-Rex. She'd be like, mm-hmm. You know, she didn't know. But uh, we were searching for hope. Like, it was a holiday weekend. We had to find a doctor quick because it wasn't good. Your, your ankle was bigger than your head. So, um, but many of us are in seasons right now where we're searching for hope. Obviously, I don't have to tell you what's going on in the world. I don't have to tell you what's going on in the economy or in many of your jobs or maybe jobs that you don't have that you used to have or families or kids that are used to hang out with friends and now they're in isolation with us parents. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a different world right now. And hope right now I think is, I think people are searching and seeking hope now more than ever. This really isn't new though. What if I told you that 2000 years ago, the disciples of Jesus and the people, the Jewish people 
they were desperate for hope. In fact, they were banking on it. They were searching for it. And they'd been waiting a long time because they believed that this Savior, this Messiah was coming and he was going to be their hope and he was going to be their future and he was going to get them where they needed to be and, and help them do what they were called to do and he was their hope. But, but I want to, I want to, we want to take you on a journey today and my kids are going to help me do this. Um, so again, thanks for being here. If you got a Bible or you got the mobile app on your phone, the Bible app, if you don't have that, download it. But we're going to be in the book of Matthew and we're going to unpack this story, but we're going to unpack it in an Easter sort of way, a way that we're going to involve Easter eggs. So kids, I'm going to send you on a little Easter egg hunt. You cool with that? Yeah. Now what you need to know, well, I'll tell you in a second, but I'll send the kids out first because I've hidden eggs around the house and they're going to help us tell the story. Okay. So you guys right now, you got to go find the eggs. So go find them. Good luck. You're going to need it. So listen to me. While they're looking for the eggs, I'll tell you straight up. I hid these eggs in such difficult spots in our house. It, if we, I'll be shocked if they come back during the message because they're hidden that good. So now while they're looking for the eggs, I'm going to unpack some of God's word for you and get it really set the tone for what God wants to do in this. So there you go. Okay, you guys cheated. Didn't you? What? That was easy. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to start now then with the eggs. Um, wow. That was, you guys are impressive. Uh, egg number one. Let's just go. Egg number one. This is the story where we begin. It's in Matthew 21. Actually, let's open the egg first. Jake, will you open the egg? I think it's this one right here that starts our story. What is that? A donkey. A donkey. Donkey. It's a donkey. Yeah. So that is a donkey. And that is prevalent to today. If you're watching this on live time right now, it is what we call Palm Sunday. The Sunday before Easter. You know why they call it Palm Sunday? Do you guys know the story? You do? Yeah. Jesus, you know, he riding on the donkey and Jesus puts his palms up and everybody's like high-fiving him. It was incredible. Yeah, it, that's not how it goes. How do you know that's not how it goes? You were there. He could have been high-fiving people. You don't know that. Anyway, so maybe it's not how it goes. We'll read the scripture and let's see if we can figure out why today, if you're watching on Sunday, is called Palm Sunday. We start in Matthew 21, chapter 21. I'm going to give you verses 8 and 9. Ava, my helper, is going to hold up scripture for this so you can zone in on this. Here we go. Most of the crowd, as Jesus was riding the donkey, spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And they cut branches from the trees, right? Okay, you were right, Ava. And spread them on the road. Jesus was the center of the procession. And, the, and all the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. This starts our journey. Jesus riding in on a donkey. Thank you, sweetie. Great job. Um, what I want you to know about this, this is, this is a prophecy. This was actually something that was foretold by a prophet named Zechariah 500 years earlier. He prophesied the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Isn't that amazing? And, and here it's happening. So literally, hope was riding into Jerusalem. That's what they're banking on. The Jewish nation, understand something. Right now, the Jewish nation is under oppression. And they have been under Roman oppression. So the, Rome, the Romans are in charge. The Jews are basically like slaves, if you will. And, uh, and that's where they're at. So what they're seeing now is Jesus, they believe he is the answer. Jesus is going he's gonna, to, he's their hope and he is riding in. And, but I wrote this down and this is key to the message today. Are you ready for this? Say I'm ready. 
You get, say, I'm ready. Okay, I need you saying it. And then I need you typing it. Type right now, I'm ready in comments. Type it, I'm ready. Say, I'm ready. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right, I'm ready too. Here, Jesus, here's the question. Was Jesus actually their hope? Was Jesus actually their hope or was what Jesus could do for them their hope? That's key. See, we have to ask ourselves, if you're a believer, are, is Jesus your hope right now? Or, or are you banking on what he's going to do in your life or in your family or in your health or in a friend's health or in your circumstances or in your job? There is a difference. Now, I know that we want God to do things and, and work in our lives. But at the end of the day, either Jesus is our hope or we're hoping in what he will do for us. See, the more that we study the scriptures on this Palm Sunday, the more that we know that they were banking in on what Jesus was going to do. See, many of the people that were cheering Jesus and laying down coats and palm branches, many of them, they had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen Jesus heal people. So, so they're thinking, this is our guy. He is going to overthrow the Roman Empire. Now we are going to be in charge. Now we are going to become who we're supposed to be. The ones who are the greatest nation like God promised. That's what they're thinking. That's what they're hoping. The truth is, they were partially right. Jesus came to establish a kingdom. But it wasn't an earthly kingdom. Jesus came for something so much bigger. Jesus came for something so much better. Jesus' plans. Jesus' plans are always better than our plans. Always. And Jesus' plans for them... Way bigger, way better, but way different. That is the key. And that is where we start our journey. And at this point of the story, as Jesus rode in on his donkey, understand something. His popularity was at an all-time high. I'm telling you, it was off the charts. But that was about to change quickly. That was about to change quickly. I put it down. What Jesus did next... Again, popularity, Ava, all-time high. What Jesus did next was unbelievable. Ask me what he did next. What do you do? Thank you for asking. That is a great question. What Jesus did next was crazy. The very next day after that Sunday, he would go into the temple and he would go nuts. He would start overturning tables. He would start getting on the religious people. He would start having confrontations with religious leaders by the way, that reminds me, I need to tell you, if you're not familiar with maybe Meadows Church, can I tell you something? We're not a religious organization. We're not. We're, we are a relational organization centered on Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And there's a big difference. See, religion, religion, Jesus had an issue with religion. He had a problem with religion. Because a lot of times religion's cleaned up on the outside, but it's not so much on the inside. And I think that's what a deterrent is for so many people that would run from maybe churches or run from religion. Maybe that's been you in your past, or maybe it's you right now. Um, I'm telling you, Jesus is way different. It's way different. And Jesus was so irate with the religious people because they had turned God's temple into a marketplace where they could make money. By the way, this wasn't the only time that Jesus did this. Many people think, oh yeah, Jesus came and he did that one time. No, he didn't. Jesus started his ministry doing this and he ended his ministry. This is the end of his earthly ministry. But when, he, when Jesus came on the scene, if you study scripture, you'll see he did this exact same thing. You know what that tells me? Our king doesn't change. Our God doesn't change. Our Jesus doesn't change. In a world that is shifting and shaking and on, on, on shifting sand all the time, we have a God who doesn't change. He started 
being adamant about the Lord and the love of the Father and, and the value and the beauty of, of the temple and what it really represents, which is the God's love. And he ended the same way. He didn't change. He didn't care what the poll said. By the way, Jesus wasn't even in it for the followers, for the Facebook followers, for the popularity. Jesus was looking for faith-filled followers. And there's a big difference. It wasn't the size of the crowd that motivated Jesus. What he cared about was their level of commitment. That's what he wanted. That's what he was looking for, Jake. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. we, we, we think things differently. We think, oh, we're all, we're all in it for the likes or the, the followers. And we focus so much on this temporal stuff. Jesus didn't care. He cared about the love of the Father. And he was ruthless about showing that to the people and showing them what, how much it meant to him. And this day, his popularity would plummet. It would plummet so much. And this leads us to, to egg number two, if you will, because... Many of the followers and many of the people that were cheering Jesus when he wrote in, they weren't cheering him anymore after this. He still had 12 followers. He still had 12 faithful followers, but one was, one was wavering. One was on the, on the fringe. And what happened next is Jesus would travel early in this week to Bethany to hang out with Lazarus, his good friend, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. What happened there was, was, was so pivotal to what it did in the heart of Judas, I believe. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. What happened was, is Mary, uh, Lazarus' sister, came in and she, she, did, she did this lavish, extravagant, like, she took this perfume and she, she basically bathed Jesus in perfume, poured it all over his head. And this perfume was crazy, crazy expensive. And like a year's worth of wages, they said it would have taken to, to buy this perfume. And the disciples saw that, Judas saw that. Now, Judas is in charge of the money. If you didn't know that, he was the, really the treasurer for, the, for Jesus and his following. And Judas knows that the, the bigger following Jesus has, the more he establishes his kingdom on earth, while well, the bigger that Judas's kingdom gets and the more that he will profit from it. So, so when Judas sees uh, Jesus really almost um, admonish and say this is a good thing that Mary did, was really bothered by it because he thought it was a horrible thing. What a waste of money. You could have done so much more with that money. And Jesus basically, he called him straight up and said, listen, she did what matters most. She's anointing me. She's preparing me. And, uh, and, and Judas, I, you just have to think Judas's heart when he saw that he's like, this isn't the guy. This isn't, he's, he's, something's off here. And it was, it was off according to Judas. And that brings us to the next egg. Jake, what, which, which one is it? The light blue egg. Mm. pieces of silver. Yeah. Yeah, this is key. So what this represents, I know there's three here, but you could just pretend it's 30 because this is what, well, let me read you the scripture. Ava, you ready? It's Matthew 26, verse 14 and 15. Here we go. Then Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus's 12 closest followers, went to the leading priest and asked, how much are you going to pay me? To betray Jesus to you. And what they gave him was 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. Huh. Judas's quest for hope, Judas's search for hope, you know where it ended? Here. Judas was looking for the material. Judas was looking for the tangible. And how many times, and I've been guilty of that in my life, but kids, what do I always tell you? What do I tell you when it comes to the things like in the world? Right? Disappear. right, they'll be gone someday. Isn't that what I say? They'll rust, they'll fade away. They will be gone. Why do you want to the... dodge challenger then? Okay. All right. Uh, 
if God wants me to have a Dodge Challenger, Jake, uh, it, and it, it too will rust and fade away. But I mean, we can have a lot of fun before that happened, though. I mean, I, so I'm just saying. By the way, I'll stay, I'll do the preaching. You do the eggs, okay? Okay. Get it right. Why do you want to God probably wants me to have a Dodge Challenger. Anyway, so, but things in the world will rust. They will fade away. Okay. And as soon as Judas realized that, he was gone. He knew. He knew that Jesus wasn't going to do this kingdom on earth like he wanted so desperately. Leads us to the next egg. Number three, Jake. Yellow. It's Matthew 26. Chapter 26, verse 26. What is it, Jake? little tiny cup huh yeah it's a cup it is a cup and what this cup would represent many of you probably already know represents communing with god it represents the last supper see judas after he got done really negotiating and getting his cash for what he was going to do that wasn't the last he still was with the with the 12 one more time and this was it it was the last supper when they gathered together and this would be the last time that the 12 would ever be together again. Here's what happened. I'll read it to you. Amy, you ready? They're eating the Last Supper together. It says in Matthew 26, verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces, gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Then he took a cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And guess what? That many includes you and that many includes me. Jesus is leading the disciples in communion. The very first time that Jesus would show them what we, we know as the Lord's Supper, this is instrumental in, in what Jesus is teaching. If you don't know the story, right before this, Jesus would wash the disciples' feet an act that would blow them away, that they, they didn't understand, they couldn't comprehend. He takes the posture of a slave and he starts washing their feet. And, and it's crazy because Jesus washes their feet and you could, I mean, I'll guarantee after he washed their feet, he washed his hands for 20 seconds because that's just the proper thing. But after he did that, Jesus washes their feet. And you know what he says? He says, now you do what I've done. As I have done, you do. As I have served, you serve. As I love others, you love others. That's what he was teaching them in the moment. During this communion time, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a time of reflecting. It was a time of reminding. But Jesus, Jake, Jesus was teaching them, you love people the way I love people. You love as I love you. That's what he's saying. Kind of like, kind of like our sign. Go grab that. We'll show it to them. Jake will grab this really quick, but I love this. This is something that we got recently. And it reminds us, now we don't always get this right as a family, do we? Most days we don't. Yeah, love one another as I have loved you. See what I love, it says it's in John and it is, it's in multiple gospels. The gospel I'm giving you today in Matthew, many of these stories and these reflections, well, they're found in Mark, they're found in Luke, they're found in John because it's four different men telling the story of Jesus' life from four different angles. Thank you, Jake. I love that scripture, but that's what the communion Communion is us coming together. It is reminding us what Jesus Christ has done for us 
the bread, the brokenness, right? And, and, it's, and, and we're also reminding ourselves what he's going to do. See, Jesus isn't done. Say, say he's not done. He's not done. Are you typing it in comments right now? You should be. Type, he's not done. Jesus isn't done. So he's reminding us what he's done and what he will yet do. And you and I, we get the privilege to come together in communion and commune with each other and reflect, remember the goodness of God. Remember the sacrifice of God. Remember how broken he was. Remember how much he bled out for you and I. So we're gonna, we're gonna do it right now. I mean, I'm, we're doing it right now. So Jake, you wanna grab the, the elements or grab the tray with the drinks and, and the bread? Ava, go get your mom, all right? Because we, we want her to do this with us. We wanna do it as family. And if you need to go grab what you need to grab right now for the next 30 seconds, go do it. But this is a big deal. Wow, thank you. Awesome. So Jesus, he gathered him on this first, this first last supper, if you will. And he gathers them and he's teaching them. And we're gonna, I'll read the scripture again and lead you in this. But it's, it's uh, you want to tear a piece off for yourself? And communion is something that we want to continually do with you. We love doing it together as a family. And uh, Jody, you want to take some bread? Ava. So let's do communion together and we remember Jesus and just what he did for us and still what he's got in store for us. I'll read the scripture again just so you have it. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it. He broke it into pieces, gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Go ahead and eat the bread. After he took the bread, or after they took the bread, he took a cup of wine. He gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Go ahead and drink the cup. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, after celebrating the Lord's Supper, it actually brings us to one of the most important eggs. Ava, right over there. If you don't have these, I mean, <laughs> dessert, right? I mean, you're crazy. If you don't have these, what is your problem? So uh, the doctor says eat one egg a day. I've been eating like three, so <laughs> I... If one is good, right? Two is better. You gonna have one? You can just hold on to it for now if you don't want it yet. I'm eating mine now. I'm not waiting. So I don't know. It's Easter. So so that was good. Um, so they they finish the Lord's Supper and they leave and they walk to a garden. As they walk to a garden, Jesus are, is reminding them again what he's about to do, and they're still not getting it. But they're, t they're telling him, Jesus, we're with you. We're, we're for you, Jesus. We're not gonna leave you. We, you're gonna die, we'll die with you. We're all in. And Peter's adamant about it as well. And Jesus turns to Peter and talks to him and says, basically, Peter, um, you know how in it you are? Like this very night, you're gonna betray me. Excuse me, you're gonna deny me three times. Three times. Of course, Peter denies that, says that, that, ain't, that ain't never gonna happen. God or, or Jesus, if they deny you, if they leave you, whatever, but I'll never leave you. And that's where we pick up the story as they enter into a garden. Jake, the next egg, please. I think it's the bright green. 
This is Matthew 26, 28. Prayer hands. Oh, you got to do. Okay, the emoji prayer hands. Come on. we. I need to see those all over the place. Prayer hands right there. That's what they're going to the garden to do. They're going to pray. This is crucial that you understand what's happening right now. That Jesus is literally hours from dying. And he goes to the garden. The garden, Ava, is called Gethsemane. Can you say that? Gethsemane. That's pretty good. Say Gethsemane. Gethsemane. That's close enough. So Gethsemane, it's hard. It's, it's, weird. it's a weird word, but it, the word literally means um, oil press or olive press. And, uh, oh boy. Well, let me read you the scripture here and you'll see where they get that name from or how, how that's coming about. In Matthew 26, 26, 38. I think it said 26, 28. So it's 26, 38. Jesus told them, my soul is crushed. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Did you hear it? My soul is crushed. I, I'm being pressed from all sides. It, what Jesus was experiencing right now, I can't articulate to you. You can't comprehend it. There's no way. One of the gospels says that he was under such intense pressure. Say pressure. Type pressure into comments. Type pressure into comments. Jesus was un under such tension and pressure that he was literally dripping what appeared to be drops of blood from him. This is what he felt. It was so excruciating. The oil press. See, many of you, you're feeling like this right now. Let's get real for a second. Look right here. You're feeling pressure. You're feeling pressure in your family or in their circumstances or in the situation or maybe somebody is sick or somebody that you know is sick and you're feeling pressure from all angles. Can I say something? Jesus felt pressure like we have never felt. And you know what Jesus did? He prayed. He prayed when he was under pressure. I wrote it this way. Pressure should lead us to pray. Pressure leads us to pray. Pressure leads us to pray. Type that in. Pressure leads us to pray. Jesus, who's God, is under the, the most intense pressure that he would ever be under. And he drops to his knees and prays to the Father. How, so, if Jesus is doing that, there's such power in prayer. I gotta share with them the story. My phone. I had a. You gotta hear this. I get contacted this week from somebody, and a, a, a woman who uh, she was feeling pressure. Okay, she'd been diagnosed as positive for COVID nineteen for the virus. So I'm talking to her on the phone, and I could obviously hear it in her voice, and. Rightly so. Not only did she have COVID-19, but she had bronchial pneumonia. So we're praying together over the phone. See, because there was tremendous pressure happening. So we're praying. Not only that, but we, we, we got it to our prayer warriors uh, on our, in our church. And people are praying like crazy for what's going on in her life. I got to read it. You're not going to leave it. So the next day, she sends me a message. Say pressure. Say, say, say pressure equals prayer, okay? Type that in comments. Pressure equals prayer. When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm feeling pressure, I need to pray. I was so proud of her because of all the things that she was going through right then in the moment, she thought, okay, I need to get a hold of my church. I need to get a hold. I need, it. I, I need prayer. And she gets a hold of us. And this is what she says. 
the next day. I received good news today. Not, not, not understand the day before, the doctors were worried she was gonna stop breathing. Okay, that's how serious it was. The next day, say next day. I received good news today. It looks like my labs are turning around and improving. I can look forward to recovering at home soon. I'm telling somebody, the power of prayer goes way beyond what we can dream or imagine. Drop in the prayer hands. Start giving God some praise. I'm telling you, he answers prayers. He answers prayers. When you're feeling pressure and you know who you are, you need to pray. It's crucial that we do that. Jesus prays. The very next scene almost is Jesus is arrested. Judas has done what he, what he needed to do for that money that he made. And Jesus is arrested. It leads us, Jake, you're up. It leads us to the next egg, which I don't, oh, dark purple. You nailed it. What is it? A rooster. Yeah, a rooster. So you might know where this is going. Is he gonna stand? Yeah, he is. The rooster. Let me read you the scripture. Ava, you ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, let me set it up. Jesus has been arrested. He's, he's, gone, he's, he's in, in front of people right now getting harassed and getting uh, basically tried and convicted for something he didn't do. While this is going on, Peter, guess what Peter's doing? He's doing just what Jesus predicted he would do. He's already denied him not once, but twice. And after he denied him twice, that's where we pick this up. Rudy, you ready? He just shook his head. Yes, so we get what he's right. Hey, he's, he doesn't like that rooster. He doesn't like chickens, roosters, or geese. So, uh, no, those aren't trees. Those aren't trees. So, that's funny. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. Uh, so, here we go. Matthew 26, 73, sweetie. You ready? You got 73? You do. You're so good. Uh, okay, he's, he's denied him twice. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. I can tell by your accent. And Peter swore. He literally cursed. Think of that. If I'm lying, curse me. I don't know the man. And immediately, say immediately, immediately, the rooster crowed three times. Just like Jesus predicted. The rooster crowed. And at that moment, you think of Peter. And think of what was going on. It says in the scripture, suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny that you even knew me. And he went away, weeping bitterly. Peter knew he did exactly what he said he wouldn't do. Man, I've been there. I wonder if you have. You want to do something right. You have the best intentions, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. After this, uh, I'll put. I'll get you up to speed. Jesus is to the point where he's close to being crucified. He has one out, and the out is is that once a year the governor, in this case Pilate, can release a prisoner. And Pilate, he something in him knew that Jesus was innocent, but he didn't want. He didn't want to. He didn't want to say that. So he was going to let the people say it. So he said, "You could either pick Jesus to be let go." Or Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a criminal and he deserved punishment. Uh, the people picked Barabbas to get let go. So Barabbas is now a free man. That's where we pick it up. Jake, you ready? Mm-hmm. The light pink. So, so Jesus is condemned now. 
What is what is it? A whip. A whip. Yeah. That leads into the next scripture, Abby. You ready? So we pick up the scripture in Matthew 27, 26. You ready, Ava? Mm -hmm. Matthew 27, 26. So Pilate releases Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged. Here we go. With a lead-tipped whip. Then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. So Jesus is beat in such a way that it would be, he'd be unrecognizable, by the way. Um, Jake, you ask all the time, like when, when you can ever watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And I always say that's, that's you know, that's, I love that it's a Jesus, uh, you know, flick, but there's, there's a, it's graphic. And it, there's, um, it's just, but it's probably fairly accurate, maybe not even graphic enough for being accurate. Uh, a lead-tipped whip would, would rip flesh from bone. And uh, that's what would happen to Jesus here. Hence the whip. And, uh, but, but the beatings wouldn't end there. It takes us to the, to the final egg for today. Egg number seven. Jake, it's the dark orange. What is it? A crown of thorns. Yep. So after they beat him with the whip, with the lead tip whip, you know, kind of razor wire, basically, if you will, they beat him. And the scripture, A.B., you ready for this? Matthew 27, 29. So this is just a few verses after they're flogging him with the whip. Listen to this. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. They placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him and mocked him and taunted him. Hail, they said, King of the Jews. Hail, King of the Jews. Jesus' followers searching for hope. There their king is, being mocked as a king. What, it's ironic that they would call him the king of the Jews because the reality is he was that, but way more. But, but the people that wanted Jesus to be their hope, the people that were searching for hope, they would see Jesus. They, you know what they would see their hope doing? Fleeting, bleeding, and dying right before their eyes. I'm so excited to continually bring this message to you. We're doing something a little unique where this message will continue this Friday called Good Friday for a seven o'clock service where we're going to continue the journey. And then we're going to actually even take it even to, into Easter where we'll get to the, the apex of this story. Um, but where do we stop for today? You know, Jesus, the story that, we're, that, that he is on here or the story that God has us on, it starts with such hope. Remember where it started? Everybody's cheering. Everybody's happy. Everybody's hopeful. And where do we end? <laughs> There's not a lot of, no one's following Jesus at this point. And no one's believing that he's anything special. And certainly no one's believing that he is a Messiah, the son of God, the savior that's supposed to bring hope to a nation. He's not that. How can you go from so hope-filled to so hopeless? Some of us, that's where we're at right now in our journey, if we're honest. Like even a month ago, we, we had so much hope. I mean, the stock market is so good. Life is good. School's going great. Kids are having, uh, you know, they're in activities. All these things are just tracking right for us. And all of a sudden, boom, everything is shattered. Everything brings us to a point where maybe we don't know what's going on. And we're confused and we're scared and we're searching. There it is. We're searching for hope. I remember how much hope we have, Abel, when you were born. When Abel was born, 
Ava, you were such a beautiful... She, Ava won the most beautiful baby contest. I, no, I'm not kidding. Hand me that picture, Ava. Should we brag on you for a second? Look at this. Look at that shot. There's Ava. Um, what is that? Six months old, probably? Six months old. So Ava wins the most beautiful baby contest. And we were you brought us such hope, Ava, to our family. Um, but yet your dad was, was, was wrestling with such a, a struggle and a problem. We were so hope-filled when Ava came into the world. But, but, but even when that picture was taken, hope for, for me was reeling. It was fleeting. It was a struggle. I was like, but that's what addiction will do. See, I don't, maybe yours is addiction. Maybe it's something else just going on right now in this time. All I know is this. Something was desperately wrong. So, something where I should have had so much hope and so much, so much joy. I was struggling. I was struggling so bad. I wrote this down. I'm going to read it just like I wrote it. Many times God will allow things to happen to us or around us because he wants to do something in us. God had to do a work in me and I don't know where you're at in your journey. Let's look at Peter for a second, can we? Peter, <laughs> there was a point where Peter was the first one to declare Jesus was the Lord. There was a point where Jesus said, who, who do you say I am? And Peter's one that spoke up out of all of them. Peter had the boldness to say, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus gives him credit. He says, Peter, you are right. You are right. In fact, Simon, he said, that was his name, Simon. And now I call you Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. So he is telling Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. Think of Peter. Think of the hope in that moment. Think of how he felt. How can you go? How do you go from there to where he is now? Teacher, I'll never leave you. Teacher, if they all leave you, I'll never leave you. Only to leave him. Remember the scripture? Remember the scripture I just read? As soon as he denies him, as soon as he denies him the third time, what happens? The rooster crows and he remembers the, what the Lord said. Peter, this very night you'll deny me three times. But check this out. You know what happens? That's the gospel of Matthew. Do you know what Luke adds to it? I'll tell you. Here's what Luke says, and this is so key because the Gospels coincide each other. It's, it's a beautiful, it's so, you gotta read the Word of God. If you're not reading the Word of God, start with 10 minutes a day. I promise 10 minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days, I promise you. Listen to this. As soon as Peter's done denying Jesus, it says in Luke, then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, can you imagine Imagine how he felt. He is just denied his Lord. And the Lord, he wasn't in some other area. He wasn't in some other temple or some other, having some other hearing. Jesus was right there. So Jesus hears Peter deny him for the third time. And it says the Lord turned and he looked at him. But he didn't just look at Peter. He looked at Peter with black eyes. With, 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 with a bloody face, blood running down his cheeks. That's how he looks at him. Think about Peterville. Think of the hopelessness searching for hope. Peter, I just can relate because I've been there. Jake, when you were little, you would get freaked out sometimes at night and you would lose hope and you'd get freaked and you'd hear a noise or something in the middle of the night and you would think it was somebody or something after you and you'd run down the hallway. I remember it'd be dark and I'd hear your little footsteps running into our bedroom and uh, you would position yourself just perfectly, right? Right in between your, your mom and I and you'd be right there. 
But but always you you put yourself in a certain position. And I remember that I, I always had to be here. You know, I said, Dad, you're here, and then I'll be here, and then mom's here. And one time I asked you, I said, Jake, <laughs> I said, Jake, why why do you always want me there? I said, Why do why am I always gotta be right here? And he straight up, he looked right at me and said, Dad, well, that's the closest to the door. And if whatever's out there gets in here, it'll kill you first. I mean, that's what you said. So I, yeah. Oh, my kids, I love them. It's just great. So, ah, uh, yeah, so thoughtful. Um, yeah, but that's what you told me straight up. I thought about that this week. It was pretty smart. So what did Jake do? He positioned his father in between him and what he was scared of. In between him and what was going to steal his hope or steal his joy. He positioned his father in between him and his worries and his anxieties and what was freaking him out. That's what he did. He positioned his father. In See, my prayer for us is that we will position our father in between us and what's bringing us away from our God-given purpose, what's bringing us fear and anxiety and worry. And, and instead of going there, we'll do what the Lord says. And he says, you know what, when you're feeling that pressure, what do you do? That's right. You pray. Position yourself. My prayer for you today is that you're going to position the Father in between you and what you fear and what you struggle with and what you're scared of or what you're addicted to or what's making you depressed. And you're going to do it through this. And you're going to do it through the Word of God. And you're going to do it through community with others, even via a Zoom call or whatever it takes. But you're going to do it. And, and, and I'll add one more thing. Do you know what's better than, than the Father laying beside you? There's something better than that. There is something even better than your father being positioned in between you. It's the father, his spirit living in you. Guess how that happens? Call on the name of Jesus. That's right. I'm not waiting until Easter to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. I won't. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the son of God. Jesus Christ died for you and he rose for you. And we're going to celebrate that like none other. I cannot wait. But you need to know something. Somebody out there listening to this, you might, you might, uh, have notions of him. You might have head knowledge of him, but you know that you have not surrendered to him. You, he might be he might be laying beside you sometimes, but but he doesn't want to be just beside you. He wants to be living in you. This is the key to salvation. This is new life. Say new. Say new. Type new. Do this. Let's make this happen today. Call on the name of Jesus. It says that he'll do just what we said in, in communion. He will wash away your sins. He will make you new. And he will do it like that. And it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been because his goodness covers it all. His grace covers it all. His mercy covers it all. And that's good news. If you do that, we want to know about it. You, you put in comments. I'm going to keep saying it. I have decided. I have decided. I have decided. Those three words, drop those in comments right now so we know that you have decided, God, I don't just want you beside me in moments. I want you I want you in me all moments. That's what I want. I have decided. We can't wait to see you on Good Friday. We're going to continue our journey together that will come to a, a, an end on Easter Sunday, and I can't wait for that either. So let me pray for you, and then I'll, we'll see you on Friday. Father, thank you so much for your, for your love, for your truth and your word. Thank you so much for hope. I always say if there's one word that I think would describe our church at Meadows, it's hope. People are desperate. See, without it, we're dead. Once we lose hope, once we've lost all hope, it's over. 
It's, it's over. And I need somebody to know. I need someone who's listening to this prayer right, God, right now, God, to know that despite how far down they are, despite how sad they feel, despite what they keep doing or how they keep screwing up, God, I need them to know in this moment that there, there is hope for them. There is hope for them. They're searching for hope, but they don't have to look far, God. You are near. You are never that far. You are right here. God, work in this moment. I pray that people will respond to this message, God, to your good news, to your beautiful word. God, may we reflect on you like crazy this week as we prepare for Easter with families. God, keep us safe. Keep us close to you. God, thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for never forsaking us. God, thank you that that in you, we'll, we, we never have to stop declaring and never have to stop believing that the best is yet to come. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. 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 God bless you. Hey, thanks so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We wanna invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement, and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching, and God bless you.